bitch. Ah, you know what old Jack Burton always says at a time like this? When you have to shoot, shoot, don't talk. Bitch, the Chicago. Hello everyone, what is up? It is me, Ewan, and welcome to a new episode of the We Love Dad Movies podcast. This week we're diving back into an old family favourite, and more of a summertime spooky movie, but it works because it's October and it's spooky season. But yeah, we're going to talk about Steven Spielberg's Jaws, and today I am joined by Xander Gordon. I like what you did before, saying diving into. I don't know if that was intentional or not. No, that wasn't. That was just a cliche. Excellent, excellent. As a shark in uh, a trench coat, I do really appreciate the water-based pun you just did (laughs) accidentally. So yeah. We should have gotten Blaha involved. I know, get get our boy Gil out as we name our Blaha, because the Ikea shark. Yeah, so we, uh, Jaws is a movie that I have, I grew up with. Um, It's one that I watched regularly with my family. Mum and Dad were pretty obsessed with this movie, and it's it's one that we watch every single year. You hadn't seen no, it, so it felt like a pretty fitting one to do for the the slightly horror-y theme we've got going on for October. And it was an interesting rewatch. I've I've seen this film so many times now, but I think my last proper rewatch would have been like a few years ago. Um, and when you're a kid watching Jaws, you know sharks are the most terrifying thing ever um but as i've grown older i've grown quite an affection for sharks and and as i've kind of you know read more about the aftermath of jaws and you know the author pete eventually is you know kill overwriting the novel and sort of the 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 resulting hysteria surrounding our friendly shark animals um it, it was weird watching this again because for all that it definitely still works as a monster movie, in my head I was just like, these these guys, like, they're, they're just, the shark did nothing wrong. I mean, to be fair, it is a very big, aggressive white shark, a great white shark in, like, native waters. And so in, in modern times you get some ocean, oceanologists or, like, marine, marine biologists encouraging the shark to perhaps move into other territory. But with this guy, he is out for blood. Like, he, he is. is an exceptional shark. He is he is an exceptional <laughs> shark. I can see you're admiring him. He's, um, yeah, he, it's, um... You know, in real life, this would probably res- also result in a shark kind of thing. But, they, you know, Jaws still works for me as a good monster movie. Um, you know, setting aside all the stuff with sharks and how much I love them and how, you know, <laughs> I feel like sharks get a bad rap from this. Despite the fact that the oceanologist portrayed by Richard Dreyfus in one of the film's more, you know, memorable performances. You know, he he's there to dispel the myths and, and, and scaremongering surrounding sharks um but he still knows that this guy is not someone you want to mess around with <laughs> yeah it, it, it's very much um i mean we we know it was inspired by a real life space the new of, jersey um, shark attacks yeah, yeah. Where, um they concluded in the end that it was they killed i believe a tiger shark i think it was i think they killed a tiger but, but i think they predicted the theory... it might have actually been a bull shark but it was well, based on a real they... spate of um yes killings along the coast yeah they theorized both a bull and a great white mm-hmm. as well uh, I don't think it's been definitively proven, but I think there was some kind of like it was a windy season and a great white or a bull might have gone in there or something. We don't know, but yeah, yeah, it's it's a movie that is very um, COVID adjacent because many people made the comparisons to it about like yeah, just go out there, it's fine, it's fine. <laughs> There's no danger here. Well, our our glorious former supreme leader, hint 
heavy sarcasm and irony there, listeners. Boris Johnson fav- reportedly favorably compared himself to the mayor from Jaws during the whole... With no sense of irony. Yeah, during the whole um, COVID pandemic. And, you know, this um, this is a great movie about, <laughs> about dickhead capitalists and, you know, um, people putting their own business interests ahead of the well-being of others. And it's kind of interesting in that way, like... I feel like with every 70s movie, I bring it back to Nixon. And to be fair, Nixon, he did bring in the EPA. But in terms of the idea of, you know, governmental abuses and stuff, you know, Jaws is a quintessential 70s thriller for me because it is all about, you know, the people that are there that who are meant to protect the people of Amity. Um, actually just want to throw them up on a platter to, to, um, to the shark. And, you know, the people themselves, because they are ignorant of the wider situation, are just like, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll go out there and get... get Scrand on by a big sharky and bring little Billy with me as well. Yeah, get your kids, get your kids in that in that sweet, sweet fresh water. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it's very frustrating to me. Uh, in, in that the first hour of this movie is just that it's just it's just guys not listening to other guys when the evidence <laughs> is clearly presented in front of them, and that makes the first half of this movie for me incredibly frustrating and off-putting in a lot of ways. In the sense that like it hammer, it hammers it home for like an hour. Of like more shark attacks, they still don't do anything. More shark attacks, they still let people on, and it's just very frustrating and just a very boring cycle to the point where halfway through I was like, I do not like this movie. And then the last half of the movie is a completely different movie and is far more engaging because it's just some guys on a boat hunting a big shark. Yeah, and we will get to the to the boating of, of Jaws when we do, uh, in a little bit. Um, but let's talk a little bit about Steven Spielberg for a second, because yes. this is his, um, he did Duel before this. He also did an episode of Columbo. I should really know the episode title because it's one of the best ones. God damn it. I can't <laughs> remember. Uh, and then Jaws is kind of his first big blockbuster movie. He did the Sugar Sugarland Express as well, um, which, yeah, I still need to watch that. Well, you say his first big blockbuster, it is the blockbuster. Yeah, so it's, actually, it's not so. just his, it was it was the yeah. first blockbuster in general, you're right. So, comes out in 1975 off the back of a, a novel that was, you know, super hyped up at the time, and you know, it has a lot working in its favour. You know, people inherently find sharks scary, people find the ocean scary, you know, the idea that you could be out swimming in the sea and you look beneath you and, you know, there could be any kind of critter there. And, you know, given the amount of, you know, <laughs> schlocky Discovery Channel Nat Geo uh, documentaries we've seen about sharks and stuff, <laughs> you do know if you're down there, you won't see them coming until they're like 10 feet in front of the, you. The movie is very accurate in the way it shows um, sharks in the wild and that when there's a later scene where they're in a cage under, under the water and, like, you don't see, despite how big some of these sharks are, you don't see them coming because it's just so murky. And the next thing you know, this 20-footer is just coming up next to you. It's very, it is, in theory, it's very scary. Yeah, totally. Uh, and, you know, there's there's so much iconography in here. And, well, everyone listening to this is probably already familiar with the production challenges that Jaws faced. You know, originally they were going to use more, um, have more shots of the shark. But because Bruce, the animatronic, was so faulty and, you know, filming on the ocean proved to have its obvious challenges um we saw less of the shark and that obviously worked the movie's advantage because you know you fear more what you don't see and the implied dread of it all is much more scary so when the moment does actually come when the shark comes out of the water you know it does like it's it's good because sometimes when the shark is out there 
it kind of does look like it's a giant animatronic. Yeah, there's that icon, the iconic, um, you know, Jaws theme that is used multiple times to cue to the audience with like these POV shots that like something swimming in the water, and it's often used to to um, uh, fake people out as well. Where there's a scene later on where these kids are wearing like shark fins and swimming about <laughs> to scare people, and there's a great bit where like this old guy just pushes a kid off a lilo and just starts like running like through yeah. the water. And there's a lot this movie has to say about self-preservation and uh, <laughs> you know humans themselves and how selfish we are. We well, are worse than sharks. Yeah, well, that's interesting as well because the setting of Amity is a literal island, you know, and um, Chief Brody, played by Roy Scheider, one of my favorite actors of the 70s you know he um he relocates his family from you know at the time you know new york city was considered like rampant with crime and violence and he's taken himself away and his family to sweet sunny little small town amity where you know his his daily chores are going to be disciplining punks for karate chopping fences and you know graffitiing or whatever um, and he's doing it for his own self-preservation you know can't blame him you know everyone wants a cushy job yeah, everyone wants to he... chill in the sun and you know. He specifies that he felt like he wasn't ever doing anything in New York because there was so much crime, and so by moving here, he could actually feel like he was making a difference. Yeah, uh, and as you say, it just means he's quite comfortable in that in that cushy in that cushy nature of the, of amity. Yeah, and ironically, you know, he 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 is very frustrated with the other townspeople. You know, he's seen the worst of the worst that you probably would in policing in New York, and now people are badgering him about all sorts of minor infractions and stuff. So that is fun, but it also, what I like about Brody is that it's almost like a similar John McClaney style thing for me. You know, he's very much like um, the everyman character thrust into an absolutely ridiculous situation. Um, you know, the the element of, of humour to the Die Hard sequels where John McClane keeps on getting into more and more outlandish and crazy situations. He just kind of shrugs it off with, oh, isn't that funny? You know, it kind of feels like that here where he's come all the way from New York and he's like, Ah, no more challenges. Oh, the giant most excellent predator ever conceived is now going to try and eat me. Um, I do like Brody. Um, but yeah, no, Spielberg's work in here is genuinely really good. And I think I used the word Hitchcock to describe aspects of it. You know, that whole idea that uh, the, 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 the way you develop tension in a movie isn't to hides uh like to, the uh the the actual object it's to, it's to, to tell people it. that there is a bomb in the room and have people in there and basically like react to it uh, and jaws is very much that case for me you know it's like the shark is in the water everyone else is oblivious uh, and you get the tension from who's he gonna eat next who's next on the menu yeah there's a lot of spielbergy elements in this and like zooms dolly shots and stuff there's that the shot on the of- beach there's some elements of whimsy uh, uh, as well, um, but generally it, it is a you know well sh- it's a very well shot movie and a well directed movie in, in many a sense. You can very much see Spielberg kind of coming into his own with with this. Yeah, um, and obviously you know he already announced himself with Duel, which I watched the first time this year and was really really impressed by. Um, you know, but watching Jaws uh this week i was really struck by how visually beautiful it was there are a lot of gorgeous sequences in here especially when they're on the orca and it's just the three of them um brody um and and quinn and uh richard Dreyfus's character i completely was it hooper his name hooper uh, isn't it, it is hooper yes yeah, yeah, yeah. i feel like we should also clarify when you say on the orca the orca is the name of the boat they're on everyone's the... listening to this as seen jaws you they don't know, know that i hadn't seen is. jaws they could think wow they're on a big whale yeah they're, they're on a big whale. Jaws. 
the ocean's two top predators <laughs> in the ring for one night only. Oh, <laughs> yeah, oh, that's okay. a good that's a good orca yeah, yeah, yeah. noise. It's really good. Do you want to do it again? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at least we're not in Jaws the Revenge territory where the shark does literally roar like a tiger. Mm, yeah. Yeah, 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 it's not quite reaches. It never quite reaches the that point here. But um, I really really like this movie despite despite my own affection for sharks i think if you just look at it as a big monster movie it's great and um interestingly you can almost look of it look at it like it's a slasher film in a way um because you you know in the 70s we had black christmas and halloween which the two wildly widely cited movies you know for for kickstarting the slasher movie trend uh, you know obviously informed by stuff like psycho beforehand um, Jaws, in a way, that opening sequence where you're given the shark's POV and he's in the ocean, you know, that sequence is later revealed to be the bit where he kills someone off screen mm-hmm. and, you know, you get that great jump scare with them, mm-hmm. um, with, with Hooper in the water. But that whole POV shot just reminded me of Michael Myers in the, <laughs> in the opening of Halloween. You yeah. know, it's, it's, it's very innovative, this film, and, um, it's approach to, to violence and like offing characters with you know sporadic moments of intense bloodiness and and you know the violence here really works for me you know even though it's 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 quite tame by today's standards um i feel like they do a good job of (laughs) showing what a 20-foot predator would do to your body if you were caught in it and especially if you happen to be a little eight-year-old boy. Yeah, with, with with this, like, even though it's not necessarily bloody, you get a couple of shots where there's lots of blood, like, in the water. But generally, a lot of what you see is, like, these, like, messed up, like, dead corpses that have been, like, mangled. Oh, those are real, stuff. like, photos as well. Yeah, the... they show a bunch of yeah. real shark attack photos, too, and Brody's kind of looking through to kind of investigate stuff. Um, but yeah, there's a, the most bloody scene is probably when one of the characters dies at the very end of the movie. That is arguably the most... On the most graphic on-screen moment. Yeah, um, we should probably talk a little about the performances if we're going to hint at that, because um, you know the three leads in this film, Shida, um, uh, Dreyfus, and Robert Shaw. Um, you know they play Brody, um, Hooper, and, and Quint, and so you have the the, the fish out of water in mm-hmm. Chief Brody. You know he's See what he did there. <laughs> very much out of his out of his element and amity, but out you know, of his. Yeah. Out of his death. <laughs> and, you know, he's trying to do his best. He wants to still, like, his instincts here are still to protect everyone. Uh, he's basically, you know, the, the, the good-natured guy in a town full of assholes. Um, and then you have um, Hooper, who is, like... Um, I like... I'm going in a very round, zigzaggy way to this, but I really like how they play with the element of class in this movie. Yes, Particularly do. between... Hooper and Quint. Mm-hmm. You know, Hooper, he's an oceanologist. He's but self-funded. But he's self-funded and it's very clearly, you know, like a, an indulgent hobby for him. You know, not that I'm saying that ocean, oceanographic stuff isn't a valid career interest. I think it's fucking great and that, you know, that shit should be widely funded. But the, the movie does make a point of showing that, you know, he is an educated, wealthy guy um, and that offers some interesting kind of tension between him and Quint, who... Um, is a veteran, as we discover later in the movie, in its best scene of World War Two. He was in the U.S. Navy during the sinking of the USS Indianapolis, um, and now he spends his time hunting sharks and fishing. And there's an interesting thing there where you have Hooper, who is desperate to, you know, understand these animals and and, and further the science of it all. 
uh, and Quinn doesn't have the privilege of doing that after his after his wartime experiences, where he's literally seen the worst of them uh, and is now compelled to do very very grim things on the high seas. And it's interesting how they clash and how they eventually develop a mutual respect for each other with with uh, both of them showing, you know, for, for Quint, what wins him over to Hooper is the fact that he ha has also been in uh, <laughs> perilous situations <laughs> in the water. And, you know, what wins Hooper over to Quint is the is the knowledge of seafaring. Although the seafaring thing is mutually, you know, it, to both of them as well. Um, and I just like that because at that point, it almost feels like Brody is a bit of a third wheel who doesn't fit in with there's them. A, there's a really great moment in um in in this move in this movie which is, is the scene where they're on the boat talking and they're showing each other their scars yeah and it almost reminded me of kind of the really subtle moments from um saving private ryan where they're talking they're showing each other all the scars they have from like the different stuff they've done um on the water and uh, uh brody's in the background and you see him look at his stomach where he has like a gunshot wound and he doesn't bring it up and just lets the conversation go ahead and it, the movie's quite clever in that it doesn't have to give you every single bit of information about about Brody's character, and I I, can't, I, can't, I like that. It's very akin to Saving Private Ryan with Tom Hanks's character, where they don't actually reveal every single bit about them, and that kind of makes it more interesting in that way. I will say that I feel Robert Shaw, um, no pun intended, completely blows all of the other performances out of the water in this. I think he is by far the the standout and is yeah. given the the most interesting stuff to to do. And it's a it's a real shame he wasn't nominated that year because he ended up dying a couple of years later due to a freak heart accident and a um, heart accident, heart attack. Heart attack and yeah. um, yeah, I feel like he he's just so good. And he's you know he's only in it for one scene in the first hour of the movie of which I did not like, um, where he does the infamous scratching on the chalkboard and he's like, I'll kill him for 200 or $10,000 for 500 or <laughs> fuck him for a thousand. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> where, and eventually they have to cave in and go, we gotta, we just have to hire this guy because yeah. he's the only one who's going to actually do anything. And they make a good point as well of showing like, and I think it links back to um, the stuff we were talking about before with the, the shark hysteria. You see all these people come into town when there's a bounty to try and catch the shark. Um, and they're all in their rinky-dink boats. They're all overfilling Throwing dynamite them. into the ocean. They've got their dogs on board. Like, and it's just, it, it's just, they've never ever had to do anything like this before. And you just think, oh God, these assholes. Mm. And so Quint's there with his big, like his big ass boat with all these shark uh, jaws um, over in his cabin. And he's like, yeah, like this is, this is my, my thing. I, I will do this. And yeah, like his backstory with um, his experience in, in the war. It's, I think his performance is just just blows everyone else out of the water completely and I, I think that it's very very clear that if he he is the favorite character of the script <laughs> yeah um and it's just it in that way I, I really really like Quint as a character because it's it's obviously kind of got that Moby Dick element to it mm -hmm. where you know Bruce the shark <laughs> um is his white whale um who he can't slay and and this whole you know his his wartime experiences basically lead him down on a path of self-destruction you see when he brings both you know it's interesting because when they charter quint to go out and beforehand when he makes his offer it just he just wants to go out there on his own mm -hmm. uh and you know in retrospect when he has both brody and hooper on the boat as well and you know he doesn't want them to send out a distress signal he doesn't you know he actively sabotages that mm -hmm. attempt from brody to to, to get help um and you know he doesn't look after the ship he wants it to break down you know this is a man clearly with a death wish 
Uh, and I think that's an interesting way to look at it as well. You know, he's basically looking at this opportunity to kill this this shark. Because, let's face it, the majority of other sharks that he will have killed won't have been man-eaters. Yes. <laughs> you know, they won't have killed anyone. They wouldn't have slayed little Timmy on the beach. They wouldn't have, mm. you know, snapped up old Fido out of the, the you know, whatever. He's just, um, they're just chilling. So he's yeah. looking at this the, these shark attacks as the chance to get revenge for his comrades in the war and, you know, to put his demons to bed. But I also think it's, it's, it's him, you know, when he sails out there, he never intends to... To come to, back. To come yeah. back. Um, you know, like, he may struggle against the shark at the end, but there is an inevitability there with Quint that, you know, he just, he he wants to die. Um, and it's it's a very dark and interesting and, you know, right, rich performance. And I would have to echo those sentiments. I think it's such a shame that Robert Shaw passed away only a few years later because he truly was one of the greats. And who knows what he could have done, you know, after that, you know, he, he's so good in this film and definitely the um, the star performance. Um, I want to talk about Brody for a little bit as well, because we talked how, you know, compared to Hooper uh, and Quinn when they're getting pally pally and you mentioned the bit with the, uh, the gunshot wound. Um, he is very much a character constantly on edge. And, and one thing that is interesting that is brought up in the movie is how he has had bad experiences with water growing up. Mm-hmm. So he's very much not comfortable being on the water. Uh, and one thing that I love is that whenever he's in the safety of his home, I think there's one scene where he, it's it's when he's, you know, had that awful day and he's drinking in the, when they catch the tiger shark that he, they know didn't kill um the the boy or the the earlier teenager at the beginning and he's kind of (laughs) drunk (laughs) um that's the one bit in his house where i feel like they don't have the threat of the ocean in the background everywhere that they they shoot him in the safety of his own home the the lingering threat of isolation uh, and the fear of of what's out there in the sea is is constantly there and i think that's a great way of playing into the paranoia you know of jaws and you know, not to bring it back to one thing people may not know is that for university, uh, I did I did history and for my dissertation, I did I did an essay, uh, a big dissertation on you know paranoia and surveillance and how that was you know uh, translated through films. And in that in that study, I did I focused on Alan Pakula's movies, so Clute, uh, The Parallax View, All the President's Men, and also um, Francis Ford Coppola's The Conversation, um, Pakula's trilogy. That that kind of those trio films are you know unofficially referred to as the paranoid trilogy and the conversations you know connotations to Nixon Watergate and you know and J Edgar Hoover's you know Cointel Pro program kind of go without saying. That being said, when I was reading up on scholarship for that dissertation, there were loads of people who mentioned Jaws as a great surveillance movie um, because not only do you have that threat with Brody in his house and he's being surrounded by water it's the idea that he's constantly being watched Mm -hmm. and also the shark itself because it's filmed from the shark's perspective for so much as well it's like an intrusive camera Mm -hmm. you know um and I think that's a fascinating angle to look at it you know in in the context of the Nixon years whenever a movie we do a movie on the 70s I'm gonna bring it back to Nixon in some way or another how could you um but I just I find it interesting in that way as well as the idea that the shark is an intrusive lens into into Brody's life and you know he's there and with his with his wife and child in in their house or whatever the windows are constantly open uh, and the ocean is completely around them that not that not only reflects Brody's kind of isolation 
you know, and his uh, inner conservatism to, you know, not share himself with other people. Um, but it also, I feel, is reflective of the idea that, you know, um, you're not safe even when you're in your own home, which is a theme that a lot of movies of the decade speak to. If only that shark could go into its house. If only it could. Could if you imagine? Could, could you? I'm imagining it right now. I am. I am. Land shark, Michael Myers. Yeah, I would love that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, we should talk a little bit about Bruce the shark as well, um, because like we like we said earlier on, the shark was animatronic and famously did not work. They had loads of trouble during production. You know, people were talking about Jaws as being like a doomed production as the as the filming was going on. This movie had a budget of nine million and went on a gross nearly half a million dollars, which is incredible. Um, and it's interesting how you know, the failure of Bruce to actually work was a blessing in disguise. You know, so much that is good about this is that you don't really think about, you don't know how big this creature is at the beginning. Uh, and then, you know, to the just to, but this isn't to knock the, the, the practical effects going on here either, because I do think the actual animatronic itself is pretty good. Like there are moments where it's a bit kind of like, okay, you look like an Imagineer's creation mm. at Disneyland. And there are other occasions where I'm like, no, that actually looks pretty convincing. There's that great moment where Brody is shoveling chum into the ocean. And he's just like... And he lights, a, he lights a cigarette. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's, he's like, behind him he just goes... Argh! Yeah, the shark just jumps out behind him and he has that great moment where he backs away. And, you know, the shark... Uh, the bit where Hooper's in the cage as well. Yeah. I love that That shark scene. is going to town on that cage. He is just... just going and whacking it i think that scene is one of the only ones that's interspersed with real shark footage as well yeah yeah um but yeah he is just he's goes to town on that cage he is he can eat through anything yeah yeah i mean quint did warn hooper not to get in the cage well you know maybe he (laughs) wanted him to die maybe i think i think i think quint develops a bit of regret at the end where he's like i've taken these these two land lovers on (laughs) not hooper because he knows that hooper's a fellow seafarer like Mm -hmm. himself but you know, it's interesting, and then it, it's it's a good little dynamic that they they share with you know with each other. And you know, when push comes to shove, and they have the the big final bit where um, Bruce gets onto the deck of the orca <laughs> and just like is like, "Come into my mouth." Oh, <laughs> he goes to town on Quinn. Yeah. Oh, it's very upsetting. <laughs> yeah, it's very. It's a great death. It's one of the best movie deaths ever. Well, in terms of shark deaths, there are. Perhaps, perhaps other ones up, up there. I'm just thinking of Deep Blue Sea, starring one Samuel Jackson, still in Stars Skarsgård. But um, yeah, it, it's just it's just so visceral, and it comes out of nowhere because that last hour of the movie is just them on the boat, just trying to catch this thing, and they're a hit with hurdle after hurdle. You know, they're hitting him with barrels, trying to encourage him to come up to the to the top of the water. Um, you know, he keeps bashing different sides of the boat, so water's <laughs> leaking in. Um, you know, the back end's basically sinking, and then eventually you just rams himself on the back and then just starts chowing down and oh boy you know it just gets fucked you know up it's like okay lisa well i'm just gonna start punching the air like this <laughs> and if you get hit it's your own fault yes, very, very that, yeah. <laughs> yeah uh so that of course you know the bit earlier on where you have hooper in the cage you know he manages to escape and goes into hiding like <laughs> it's not like he's in witness protection yeah, under a bit of coral like, <laughs> like good fellows at the end <laughs> um you know he's in hiding quint gets munched on and then the the orca is slowly slowly descending below and all um all brody has is you know again 
interesting, cool little detail. M1 Garand that he's using as a rifle weapon. Obviously, that was the standard issue weapon of the US Army during World War II, bringing it back to Quint's, you know, war days. Uh, and the, the the cool thing is that, like, it's like each each member of the crew contributes the shark's death in one way. Yeah, there's it, a, these gas canisters the that have been referred yeah. to the entire time of, like, be careful about them. And mm. Brody's like, oh, I can use this. And he throws it into its yeah. mouth to try and shoot it to blow it up. And he keeps shooting at it. And he's like, smile, you son of a... <laughs> <laughs> That's a better explosion than the Death Star. Yeah. 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 It's a nicely shot because he's there like leaning on the mast of the orc as it's slowly sinking to try and like get the shot at the great time. Yeah. And then you, you cut to below and you just have this poor shark carcass. Oh, very sad. The sharkus, yeah. if you will. Yeah, the sharkus, yeah. Um, and that was Jaws, um, a movie that I thoroughly enjoy despite my own love <laughs> for sharks. I do think it's it's, you know... Not much else can be said about the movie other than it is. I I love it. I, I think Spielberg, you know, usually hits. This is one of his biggest hits for me. Um, I think it's immaculately cast, immaculately shot as well. You know, watching it growing up, it's not really something you pay attention to. Um, but truly impressed by the cinematography and and everything going on. It's truly one of my favorites. And yeah, no, good time. In conclusion, Big Sharks rule. In conclusion, Big Sharks rule. They really should have done a shark movie like Jaws, but, you know, it's it's the sharks that are winning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look, the shark did nothing wrong here, folks. That's all I'm saying, you know? Like, the sharks have got a plab to place to swim, and, you know, if you're going to go out there on your lilo and pretend to be a little seal... and I'm going to have a snack. ...and make little seal noises, the shark's going to eat you. Yeah, yeah, it's going to have a little nibble. It's a little, little nibble, and... I think if I got attacked by a shark and they were like, let's hunt this sort of a bitch down, it's like, no, no, this was a rare event. Only one in, like, it's like a one in a thousand chance. Like, you know, he doesn't even want me. I have he a can cool, have my leg. I have a cool prosthetic leg now. Yeah. So I, I've, I've got more drip. Yeah. Like, so actually, leave the shark alone. Prosthetic drip. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Um, <laughs> this has been the Wheel of Dad Movies podcast. I hope you enjoyed listening to us talk about Jaws. A quick shout out to our patrons. Thank you to Thomas Mulgrew, Shaka and Josh Brown for your continuing pledges. Uh, it is muchly appreciated. I don't have any updates to share on the Patreon at the minute um, because I'm very busy with work due to a certain thing coming up on the video game calendar this week, um, which I will talk about another time. Um, well, next... Where can they hear you talk about that on the oh, online? On ScreenRant.com oh. forward slash gaming. Um, there'll be a review on that game <laughs> coming out this week. But yeah, next week it's going to be The Terminator 1984. Daniel Grima will make a return to the podcast to talk to me about that. And then after that, it's going to be a little bit of Scorsese treating going on. And it's going to be Cape here with Josh Brown, which I am also super excited for. Um, but yeah, this has been the Wheel of Dad Movies podcast. You can follow me on Twitter if you want to, at Ewan Ruins Things. You can follow the Wheel of Dad Movies podcast itself on Twitter, at twitter.com forward slash Wheel of Dad Movies. And please don't forget to check out the Patreon. Even if you're just slightly interested, there are some good fun goodies in there. Um, and it would be really cool if you could support us. Um, they can follow you on, on Letterboxd as well, can't they? Yes, if they want to, but if not, I will just be in the ocean. In the ocean? Mm. Are you going to become a shark? <laughs> <laughs> already already have been it's just the 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 um, astronaut meme except it's a shark with the oh, gun space at the shark. yeah nice yeah <laughs> <laughs> bye <laughs>